Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 100. If you build it, part three. Recorded May 21st, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. This week for our 100th episode, we thought we'd go all out and just go ahead and do a continuing part in a series that we've already done two parts of. Gay. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. We're not. We're not the uh, uh, self-congratulatory type around here. So we're just going to plow on with what you have expected for us the last ninety-nine episodes. That's kind of been my um, uh, philosophy on this one. So uh, welcome to our hundredth episode. Uh, I did, however, say that the first four people who call, uh, or three people rather, who call, I would put them on the air. And one of those people who called in is Mr. Aaron Butler, also known as the former fat guy. Hi, Aaron. Hello, Mark and Sean, and everyone out there. Greetings, and uh, and I I still have two lines open, as the people in the telethon say. So I don't know who will be dropping in. So people may be hanging up and calling back. We'll see what happens. It's it's going to be that kind of show. So uh, wow. and also with us is of course the co tightwad Mr. Sean Kybel. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm excited. It's just because it's 100. I can't believe we've we've come this far. Yeah, it's actually well well over our hundredth episode, but it's episode number one hundred. Right, right. Still, still feels uh, neat, like a nice shiny car. Yeah. <laughs> and what what you don't know, I don't know that we've ever mentioned it. Is this is all Sean's fault? He talked me into doing this podcast. I didn't want to do it. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're the one doing ninety five percent of the yeah, work. <laughs> Not only this one, we're doing five other shows at the same time. So uh, he introduced me to what became my new passion and what, uh, you know, in hopes will be my second career. Uh, You can thank him or blame him. Yeah, either way, however you choose to do that. Uh, But yeah, it was... uh, it was kind of a cool thing. Uh, Sean was into podcasting. I had heard of podcasting, but that was about it. And he said, you really need to do one. Yeah, well, here's here's how that whole story started because uh, Mark was so good as to give me a job when I didn't have one, and uh, so I'm coming in, and uh, I think I had all of like a day and a half of of snap in behind the guy who was leaving ahead of me, and had never done the job before. So I'm sitting there, and I remember that first day. Uh, if you don't know, uh, for those of you out there that know Seth, he's uh, he's been a uh, I guess a sometimes co-host on uh, uh, what Everyday Linux and yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's a regular on Everyday Linux and he's been on this show. He was a, a listener spotlight on this show too, right? And uh, so I, I remember the day he left, and I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking, what am I gonna do? And uh, so I started just you know doing like any any good tech would do, and I got out there on the internet and I'm like, okay, I got to start learning some things. And uh, I quickly started finding all these different podcasts about technology, and uh, you know there was a wealth of them out there. And I came across uh, several of Leo Laporte's uh, podcasts, and uh, so I was listening to those and just listening to them constantly. You know, I was trying to suck up all the information, and found you know what a great resource it was. And I kept bugging Mark, you know, I'm like, dude, you should really listen to these. And uh, particularly, I was listening to Security Now with Steve Gibson. And that dude is so far out there as far as a genius that uh, it sounded like he was speaking Greek to me. But I thought, Mark will probably understand this. So I kept bugging Mark, you need to listen to this podcast. You need to listen to it. And finally got him started. And, uh, and I mean, the rest was history. I mean, you, you fell in love with it, too. 
Yeah, we uh, had a long, we had like a five-hour ride together, and Sean started uh, playing episodes of of uh, Security Now, and and would stop it and say, "Now, what did he just say?" And so for five hours, I was explaining <laughs> Steve Gibson to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the first time we went down to the TCEA conference, and and that was literally it. He, Steve Gibson, would talk about something for about five minutes, and we'd have to pause it, and then uh, I'd say, "Okay, now what does that mean?" And uh, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I'd say, "All right, now here's not only what he said, but here's the background of it. You know, 15 years ago, this is the way it was, and it developed into this, and so, you know, it became a teaching moment." And he was like, "You know, you're really good at this. We we should do a show." And so he, uh, it was. I don't know, once a week, twice a week for about two months, he would, he would mention it. And I was like, you know, well, I do have like a ton of recording gear from my days as a, as a wannabe musician. So, uh, why not? We'll try it. So that's how we got our start. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and, well, I was looking for, I was looking for a podcast that really spoke to what it was that we did as well. And I mean, I searched and searched and searched and just really couldn't find anything. There were, you know, technology podcasts. There's a ton of them, but, uh, there wasn't anything, you know, for, uh, you know, focused on education and, and technology. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of what, what got it all started. We said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of like programming, right? You you come up with a program because you're kind of trying to scratch your own itch. There's something you want to do, and so you just get out there and start doing it. So uh, that's that's how this show started. Aaron, you want to say I, something? Yeah, I can blame Sean as well because how I got into podcasting was one day I got this email or something that or Mark's blog mentioned that I had subscribed to three years before that he was doing some kind of <laughs> podcast thing. I had heard of podcasts. And so I listened to the first few and then didn't have an MP3 player. So it was like sitting in the dining room at the desktop computer type thing, you know, and then, <laughs> uh, then my wife got a, a, a nano for Christmas one year and started listening to a few more. And then, uh, I lost all the weight and started talking to Mark about, a, you know, uh, about that. And then he said, why don't you do a podcast? Or I said, why don't I do a podcast? I don't even remember who mentioned it first. Um, I think we both had already had the idea before we ever even talked to about it with each other. And so now I'm 50. I'm coming up on my 50th episode of uh, One Meal One Workout. Yeah, so, see, it thanks, started. Sean. It started. I asked <laughs> you're you to welcome. Be, I asked you to be on the uh, Everyday Linux show, and then once you got the right. the bug, you're like, I want to do my own podcast, and so yeah. I think I had already had that thought. I just wanted to to kind of stick my toe in the water first <laughs> and make sure that uh, my radio voice came across the air okay. There you go. <laughs> and here I said we weren't going to be all uh, remembering and stuff. Nostalgic. Well, you know, this was the the, the uh, series finale of House tonight, and they did a whole behind the scenes thing with with House talking with a British accent. I don't know why he yeah. pretended to have a British accent for the entire show, but the, the actor actually does. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's Stuart Little's dad, so right? Yeah. He has to. But, uh, which I think House would have been fine with him if he'd been from England. I don't know why they made him. It had made more sense, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um. Okay, so uh, let's get on to. I we had uh, made some requests for voicemails to, you know, just people to uh, uh, call in and and you know wish us well or whatever. Uh, I didn't uh, have any rules as to what it would be, but uh, so we have two from people who, if you have been in the chat room or even on our. Um, What's that show that we do? Periodic Table Show. You'll recognize both these names. Uh, Jim Beeson is the first one. If I click the right one. Did I click the right one? Yes. All right. Here we go. Hello, Mark and Sean. This is Jim Beeson calling for the Tightwad Tech and calling to congratulate you 
on hitting show 100 out of 106 total episodes recorded. That is a true <laughs> feat. And I congratulate you on hitting that feat. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I have really enjoyed uh, listening to all your shows. Even though I am not in the education uh, arena, I have uh, found it very uh, valuable and very educational. Uh, anytime I have the opportunity, I recommend to everybody that they listen to to your podcast. Uh, every episode that I've ever listened to of your podcast has been of great value, except episode 82. I'm not sure about that guy that you had on that one. Uh, you know, I think y'all did a good job, but maybe that guest uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. But anyway, just wanted to say congratulations. I hope to be in the chat but if not, I will catch up with you later. Have a good one. Thanks, James. Uh, Jim? I, I and, of course, he was he was referring to himself in episode 82. Yeah. <laughs> when he came on as a uh, listener spotlight. Uh, yeah. So, thanks, Jim. We appreciate that. And uh, we have a young man... Uh, who's 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 the son of a preacher man? No, the son of a uh, man who's uh, uh, in our podcast. Been in our podcast a lot. He's wanting to call us now. Um, so, what, what? Jim is calling on Skype. Hi, live listener. You're on the air. Who's this? This is Jim, and I got to turn off the uh, the delay there in my ear back turn, there. Yeah, turn, turn the radio off. down. Yeah, you gotta turn your radio down. <laughs> I still wonder about that guy you had on episode 82, but whatever. <laughs> well, Jim, we appreciate you being with us all the way. Well, we, we appreciate everything that y'all do. Y'all, y'all do, y'all do fabulous work. And, and I think, you know, I, I don't think anybody can fully uh, express how, how good a work y'all do and the service that you provide to a lot of different facets of the community. Well, we appreciate that. It's nice to hear people who, uh, you know, find value in our show who aren't our primary audience. So, uh, you know, I, I like that. Thanks. Thanks for your kind words there. No, no problem. Just don't let the head get too big. Okay. We want <laughs> it to fit within the space on the live stream. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things we, you know, we, we go after a really, uh, narrow market. It's something Sean and I have talked about a number of times. It's, it's like if every tech director in the state of, in the country, if all of them, every tech director for every school in the country listens to us, what's that? 10,000 listeners? Uh, so, you know, it's not like we have this explosive potential, but when I hear people like you who, you know, you work for a pizza place, uh, and say that you get value from our shows, you know, we appreciate that a lot. Well, I mean, the software that y'all use, you know, might not be relevant to, to my situation, but you know, the methods that you use to, to deploy and to manage your networks are not all that different. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Being a tightwad is a universal mindset. Right. That is correct. <laughs> and, and, and Mark, if, and, and I, I want to echo Jim's comments and, and I wasn't joking about having to go to bed in 20 minutes. So I'm going to say a quick word and then go, if you don't mind, I just want to say thanks to Sean and Mark. Cause I've listened to probably a hundred out of the 106 episodes. Like I said, I'm a little bit behind. Really enjoyed them, learned a lot, passed them on to people, had other people come back and tell me how much they enjoyed them. And, uh, and it's been encouraging to me. It's kept me kind of my tech part of my job because my job is a combination of tech and management and medical field. It's kept that kind of that part of my brain uh, working and challenging me on that, making me think about things I don't have to think about. So I just want to say thanks to you guys for all your hard work because I know you're not making millions of dollars doing this yet. 
We're not even making dozens of dollars. <laughs> right. right. You're, are you making tens? No, you're not even making tens <laughs> not of dollars. Not quite, no. So far, you've it's, spent lots of money. That's right. <laughs> it's a labor anyway, of love. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Mark. Not only for, uh, you know, for all you do for everybody that putting the show on every week, but also for periodic table and the other shows and, and the efforts you've put into my own show and the support you've given me. So thanks. We Thank appreciate you, Aaron. It's been fun. And you, you know, for all my kind words, you can double my salary. All right. That's it. You, <laughs> you now officially make twice as much as I've, I've been paying you. All right. Awesome. And I think, I think you should trip. I think you should triple his salary. I agree with you, Jim. So anyway, uh, <laughs> it's and to all those out there listening to this podcast, um, uh, send them a thank you note or an email. Uh, don't wait to episode 105 to do it or 111, depending on how you count it. Um, <laughs> go ahead and do it now. Send them that voicemail and encourage them because it's some days it's not fun. Some days it's work. And, uh, even though it's always enjoyable, it sometimes it takes an effort to, to get yourself, get the headphones on and get out there. So thanks to, uh, thanks to you guys and to all the listeners. Yeah, Thanks, I, want echo, I want to echo what Aaron's saying too. I mean, you know, I was on episode 82 of the listener spotlight and, and it was hard for me just to find the time to, to prepare for that one episode. I, I can't even imagine the, the effort it must take to prepare for, you know, episode week after week. And, you know, we, you've got what, five shows on the network right now, Mark, six, six, six. Yeah. Okay. And so six shows that you're trying to coordinate and, and, you know, plan for, you know, executive producer and, and everything that you do. Ooh, and, executive you know, producer. I like that. That's like kind of my business card. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that, that's a tremendous, uh, tremendous investment of time, you know, that, uh, that is, you know, most appreciated. Well, thanks, Jim. I'm going to echo Jim's echo of my echo. <laughs> echo <laughs> just so I can say that phrase and thanks. Thanks again. And good night. All right. Good night, Aaron. Appreciate you being with us. All right. So we got rid of one loser. I mean, listener. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll see if my, if my broadband will will mess up here in a minute, you know, just never Uh, know. You're welcome to hang out with us. Um, And we do have one other voicemail uh, that I want to play. And that's from uh, G Duncan 229. So here we go with that one. As soon as I vamp long enough to click play. Hi, Mark and Sean. This is G Duncan two two nine calling. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on the hundredth episode of the Tight Wide Tech, um, best show out there. And uh, you know, I love it when I come in in the morning and come to work and sit down at my desk and listen to things about smoked bacon and sausage <laughs> and all that stuff uh, first thing in the morning, and then I can't do anything about it for the rest of the day. <laughs> so. Uh, Great show. Keep up the good work and uh, look forward to hearing many, many more. So, thank you. All right. Thanks, uh, G. Thanks, G. Word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, we we do. We talk about food a little too much. And I guess if you arrive at work a little hungry and we're talking about bacon, that could make for a long day. We've had those days. I, I remember uh, perusing the. I I remember when we first discovered like, well, we I say I say we, but it was really you. Uh, the whole bacon salt, bacon A's. Yeah, and Jim, you ordered the whole pack. I did. Yeah, yeah, and that that was one of the toughest days to get through because you're like, <laughs> oh, look at all this great stuff, and we're just like, you know, it was so great, but you know, we also knew that we had to wait however long before you were going to get it. So, 
Yeah, a friend of mine sent me that in an email, and he said, I saw this and thought of you. So my my love of bacon is known far and wide. It's not just along, uh, along this audience. Uh, but yeah, he sent me that and said, I thought of you. And yeah, I bought the whole, like the biggest package you could get. Uh, and I have, uh, uh, the, I still have some of that, the, the salt-free bacon salt. You know, and I never would have guessed that there was such a like a, a strong relationship between tech and bacon. But we we have uh, I think discovered that somehow. I, I think it, it's not I, tech and bacon; it's guys and bacon. It, well, yeah, you're probably right, and that's yeah. We're we're mostly not that we necessarily aim to be that, but we we certainly have turned out to be. Uh, pretty much a sausage fest of a <laughs> <laughs> of a network so <laughs> hey i actually yeah. found those products in las vegas last week at one of the gift shops in uh, uh harris i think is where i found it at. there's a gift shop that you can get to both from inside the casino and from the outside and just a whole rack of bacon products very much the same products that you get online i bet they're making a ton of money off of that too uh, they're making a ton of money off of everything they sell there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was that? I sent you an invitation. If you're going to be here, you might as well be on video. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't want to be a disco <laughs> singer right now. Sean, I assume you put that in there. Uh, would you have ever wanted to be a disco singer? No, no. But if I ever had, now would not be the time. I don't know, uh, Mark, if you've uh, if you've seen it, but in the last like handful of days, uh, Donna Summer died, and then as Andy Gibb died right. of the Bee Gees. So I mean, we had them like boom, boom, one, two. I'm waiting for you know they always say these things come in three, threes. So I'm I'm waiting for the third you know popular disco singer to to croak. I mean, it's well. It's there coming. were only three popular disco singers, so the 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 <laughs> choices are pretty limited. Right? Yeah, I was uh, listening to something uh, this morning on the radio, and uh, they were talking about how at one point the uh, the Bee Gees had like four of the top five uh, Billboard songs right. at one time. So. Uh, you know, I don't know what that says. I don't know if that speaks to just how good the Bee Gees were or just how overall bad the music was back then. I vote for the second. <laughs> yeah, I think I tend to agree because uh, they were, you know, going back and playing some of their music. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I don't get it. I was very young then, but, uh, yeah. Sean, let me let me explain to you how bad disco was. Uh, when Urban Cowboy came out, you had... Uh, uh, what was that one by Johnny Lee looking for love hit right. number one on the pop charts. <laughs> right. So yeah, it was, that, that might be the all time bad time, uh, for music. And speaking of somebody who's way too young to remember disco, uh, we've just been joined by Inferno M16, also known as Son of Nightstar. If uh, Chuck Jolly, who's been on this show and also shows up on the periodic table, uh, his, uh, eldest has joined us. Um, Andrew, right? Hi, Andrew. Hello. How's it going? I'm going pretty good. Good. And Andrew has been dying to get on the air with us at some point. He, he's been bugging us for months to get on the air in one way, shape, or form. And uh, Andrew, you're actually, uh, we're, we're working on uh, making you into a future podcaster. Is that right? That's, that's, that's correct. <laughs> Yeah, he said, got this idea. I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. And I said, all right, well, I'm 
I'm not going to make it up for you. You tell me what you want to do. You're ready to go. And and so like every day for three or four months, he was like, I think I got an idea. I'm closing in on it. I've almost got an idea. It was like it was, you know, this thing that was about to be birthed within him. So uh, uh, look for that probably over the summer. We'll we'll do a couple of pilots or something and see what happens. Probably toward the end of the summer. I got something big at the end of the summer that I got to do first. Yeah, because, you know, he's, he's a mover and shaker. You're going to some big prestigious... <laughs> thing where only smart kids go right you want me to tell them about it Uh, sure go right ahead well this is an organization called people to people that if you i was nominated by my band director and they accepted me was called the leadership ambassador program well they chose they the leadership ambassador program has allowed me to go to and do i chose the technology summit but it's like a t- and the leadership ambassador program let me go to Stanford University for 10 days and I get to live in the, in the dorms of Stanford. I get to explore parts of San Francisco, do lots of hands-on activities. And that's going to be July 30th for 10 days to like August 8th, I think. So I got to get that out of the way before I'm going to be able to do the podcast. <laughs> That's the future of our country right there. Yeah, That's, I was going to say, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, your future boss. You're hearing him now here first. Right. Yeah, if you, were, if you were worried about how things are going, there's guys out, uh, out there like Andrew who are not only uh, smart people, but who are doing good things for each other. That's pretty awesome. You know, Andrew, I think uh, a podcast might be just a report on your experiences while you're out there. Well, actually, he had a really good plan. His idea was uh, tech from the student's point of view. You know, we talk about uh, we've got a teacher show. We've got our show where uh, we focus on the tech administrators. He's going to do school tech from the student's point of view, which I think uh, could be a very interesting show. I think very it could be dad too. for the idea. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he'll be complaining about why the, the guys block Facebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My problem's on well, Twitter. Twitter. Well, Andrew, someday when you sell your company for $50 billion, kick us down a few dollars, all yeah. right? I'll be sure to do that. Yeah, when, you, when you have your uh, IPO of Andrew book, you, you remember the old Tightwad tax, all right? Uh, I'll, I'll be, li- be listening for a good while. Came in here at 91. My dad was on the listener spotlight, and then I've been here just every once in a while to Take a look, see what's going on. I was here for a good bit last week, connecting with the Chromebook. Yep, yep. Learned about the Chromebook. I was happy. Learned <laughs> what that was. <laughs> All right, Andrew, we're going to have to let you go to bed. I don't want your dad to get mad at you for keeping you up too late. Get mad, mad at me. So uh, oh, thanks for calling yeah. in. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate you being the listener too. I'm happy to be the first finally on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good night, Andrew. Good night. All right. Two lines are now open. No waiting. <laughs> there, you, there you go, Mark. You, you were a good host, and you were parental at the same time. That's right. Yeah, well, um, I was going to okay, say. Okay, so there, there's a perfect segue. I'm going to talk about being parental. You do that. Mark, I have a five-year-old with a, a, a tooth that is right on the cusp of leaving her mouth. But the, the dang thing has been loose. It, been i don't know for like two months now you know from the first time she said oh daddy you know i got a loose tooth and i didn't believe her because i seemed to think that five was too young but apparently not but this thing i mean you can wiggle it to where it like almost sticks straight out and 
I've been working on, you know, every night now we go through this ritual of trying to pull her tooth out. And uh, I, I haven't been able to really get a good grip on it or anything. It's a little tiny tooth and, uh, you know, basically trying to get my huge fingers in her mouth and everything. And then somebody the other day gave me an idea of uh, using a paper towel. So tried that. And yeah, I can get a little bit more of a grip on it. And uh, I know you can do things like, you know, tie a string around it, but I'm a little uh, reluctant to do that considering she's five and she's never been through this. So I really don't want to freak her out. So I'm just curious if anybody out there, either in the chat room or if you want to throw it off in the forums or even email it to me, has any good advice, any kind of, uh, I don't know, tips on how to get that darn tooth out of there. Give the kid an apple. Really? That's it. That's what we do with those stubborn ones. Give them an apple. They take a bite. It sticks in the apple. It comes out. Yeah, because the way that that thing wiggles around, I'm just like, there can't possibly be anything holding it in. But sure enough, you go to pull on it and it won't come out of there. So I, I'm almost wondering if it's not just a matter of suction. You know, there's some sort of suction holding it in. But uh, okay, that seems to be it. Channel locks. Yeah Pete, yeah, Pete throws channel locks out there. I actually tried to talk her into letting me use my uh, Leatherman to, to get a grip on it and pull it out. But that seems to freak her out. So uh, the Leatherman is still out. Yeah, well, I have tried that, but it's scary. You know, it's a scary thing. And if you're not careful, you can crush the tooth without pulling it out. So uh, that's, you know, not a highly recommended. So, so it, apples were, have worked for us a couple of times. That or um, um, like those those wax candy things, the wax bottles. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Give her one of those, let her, let her suck the juice out of it, and then have her bite into the wax and it'll stick to that. Otherwise, okay. just wait. It'll come out. That's kind of what I figured, but she's getting more antsy than I am. She's really excited. Yeah, you got uh, a couple of a couple of people in the chat room saying taffy. That's a good thought too. Okay, yeah, we'll give it a shot. So there you go. This uh, parenting tips of the week we're getting <laughs> <laughs> this week as well. All right, Sean, uh, give us the update, the final update. It is the final, right, on the Bacon Madness bracket. Well, it is, uh, it's the next two final, I guess. Oh, okay. uh, we are going to talk about the final of the Bacon Madness bracket. So uh, we're there. We've got a final set, and uh, there's one that is completely not a surprise at all, I, I don't think, to anybody that follows the bracket. Thick sliced bacon, which I would have to say yeah, is probably the You kind of hope that bacon wins the bacon bracket, honestly. <laughs> Right, yeah, uh, but it, the now the one it's going up against to me was actually kind of a surprise. I mean, I love this stuff, but bacon pizza. So you know, I I, I don't know. I I just bacon pizza didn't stick out to me as you know like a, a major front runner when the the bracket was first filled in. But uh, there there is your final bacon pizza versus thick sliced bacon. <laughs> and uh, just for a recap of this past week, uh, thank you for voting everybody who voted. Bacon pizza beat out bacon burger dogs. Now I thought that was a bit of an upset. That's actually. a tough one. That's a tough call. That that really was the tough the tough matchup. And uh, but bacon pizza won out two to one. So uh, it was still a, a, a pretty uh, you know, it won handily. Uh, and then speaking of winning handily, uh, thick sliced bacon absolutely crushed the Dunkin' Donut big and toasty. So uh, that was a by a five to one margin. You so. see, I found that one uh, difficult because the both of these have bacon on them, right? And so if if it's right. the big and toasty is bacon, but it's also cheese and it's egg. Uh, so it's that's a hard call for for you know just bacon or bacon plus, you know, because you still get the bacon. Right. 
Right. And if you've ever had one of these things, you're like, oh, you know, and they have uh, a lot of places have a similar product like Sonic. I think their breakfast sandwiches is uh, kind of similar to that. Um, So, yeah, that was uh, I don't know. I thought maybe that would be a little bit closer, but it's kind of hard to beat just plain old thick sliced bacon. Bacon makes the world go round. Right. So, uh, you know, be sure to listen in at the end of the show. You can find out uh, how to how to contact us. Uh, the main thing is how to follow us because uh, I'll update this tomorrow morning and then I'll post it out there on all of our social threads and uh, you'll uh, you'll get the word and how to go and make that final vote. I can't believe we just spent like seven minutes talking about bacon. <laughs> hey, you got to yeah, give the listeners what they want. Segment, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> All right, so shall we uh, get to some actual show? Yeah, we're actually going to have to do a very long show or short shrift this topic because we're, you know, almost 30 minutes in and uh, and we're, we're just now getting to stuff. Right. Uh, but, uh, we'll go with it. So this is, uh, yeah, the uh, If You Build It uh, series. Uh, it started with a, uh, a listener uh, request saying, you know, hey, what do you do if you're walking into um, – a school or a business or, you know, an entity of some kind, and they have nothing. And, and you got to start from scratch. What, how do you build a tightwad tech department from the ground up? So that's what we started to answer. And we don't know how long this series will really go. It's just something that we're um, kind of playing as we go. We did the first episode was get to lay the land, figure out uh, what your needs are and, and what the power structure is. And the next one is, is infrastructure. You got to get your switches and your servers in place. And today we're going to talk about the desktop. Once you've got the infrastructure in place, then you move on to the desktop. So I'm just kind of going to do a, a brain dump here, and uh, you guys uh, feel free to chime in at any point, ask questions, make comments, argue with me, uh, whatever you want to go. So um, we'll just start with uh, the first thing that I would do, and this is I say this because I never had the privilege of doing it, and I don't think anybody ever does. So this is a unique situation here where the this theoretical that the listener has posed, where you um, where you get to start from the ground up. Generally, people move into a broken system and have to work within the constraints of it. But assuming um, that you get um, to start from scratch, the first thing I would do in terms of the desktop, now remember we've already talked about you've got a good strong infrastructure in place, you've got servers in place, is figure out what your baseline is. If at all possible, you want to have the same equipment and the same software in every place. That's just a man. It just makes things easier uh, in terms of management. And also, it cuts down on that. She's got better stuff than I've got. We're the redheaded stepchild down here at the elementary school. Those high school people get everything. Um, and that that's going to happen no matter what. But if you can give everybody uh, the same stuff, it helps head that off. Uh, so figure out what you absolutely need on every te- desktop or laptop at every position. What do you actually need? Uh, and in this world, it's pretty much a browser. Don't you guys agree? That's the only real need at this point. Yeah, well, that's what I, I was going to ask you, Mark, is uh, where are you going with that? I mean, are you talking about uh, software needs or are you talking about uh, specific hardware requirements? Yeah, I, I was, guess they kind of go hand in hand. Right, all of the above. Because uh, if you, you're determining your software, a lot of times determines your hardware. And, and a good example of that is a few years ago, the superintendent at my school uh, decided we had to have Microsoft Office. Not an office suite, but Microsoft Office. 
at that time, we were running a lot of Linux uh, uh, here and there. We were running, we had been using uh, OpenOffice for several years, but he went to a conference as principals are wont to do, and he got together with other, uh, not, or not principal superintendents, got together with others, other superintendents and came back and issued an edict that before school started the next year, every system in the uh, in the district would have Microsoft Office 97, uh, not 97, 2007. Uh, so that meant that all the Linux stations had to go or we had to come up with, uh, you know, uh, Citrix-like remote desktop alternatives. Uh, and, and some of the machines physically weren't capable of running that software. They were old enough. So we had to, we had to chuck some of those or upgrade some of those. So when, when you, when you get to the, the need, Assuming there are no edicts handed down from on high, in that case, you need to keep your job, so you do what you're told. Uh, but what is it that you that you actually need to run, and then set that as your baseline? What do you, what uh, what hardware do you need? Do you need uh, a quad core i7 with 16 gigs of RAM on every desktop? I'm going to probably throw you a no on that one. Uh, but right, I can't imagine <laughs> where you would, unless you're. Uh setting up a lab where you know like a lab in the high school where they're doing uh video editing right and, and we'll get something. to that you know we'll get to the specialized stuff in a minute but first is is what do you need everywhere get your baseline because when you're purchasing the more you can purchase the cheaper you get uh and it also again it makes uh um makes it easier uh for management yeah pete in the chat room says no you just need a macbook for every student yeah that's it and an ipad give every kid a macbook and an ipad that's what so many schools are doing right now literally that's their methodology is hand every kid an iPad and a MacBook. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> I, I got to tell a quick story. A friend of mine tweeted uh, that he was so excited his school board just gave him a $70,000 approval for an iPad project. They said you can spend $70,000. And I, I tweeted to him, so what is that, like 14 of them? Uh, <laughs> and he said, no, it's more like 13 by the time you get the cases and the supplemental insurance. Yeah, and you need the sinking cart and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, enough of that uh, bias. Uh, but standardize your hardware as, as much as possible. And then before you get to those specialized situations, like Sean was talking about, is the, the place that needs the, the, the heavy horsepower, look at the places of highest need first. What are the areas uh, where you really need to make sure you get tech? And these are the, the, the rules by which I have governed over the years, and, and not everybody's going to agree with it. Uh, but I think it makes sense when you, when you consider that the purpose of a school is to educate a student. Students are the most important. I will give students a computer before I will give teacher a computer. I will have every student in a, in a classroom have a high-end brand new computer and a teacher working on a clunker because students deserve the best stuff. They're the reason we're here. Next step in line is teachers. I will give teachers good stuff and give the superintendent the junk because the superintendent, while his job is important, he's not the reason we're in school. It's the students and the teachers. So you start with the students, then you work to the teachers, then you work to the admins, and then the uh, the uh, common areas, the labs, the library, they're more important than the one-off classroom. So, you know, you've got your teacher here that teaches this one thing, and she has her own lab, uh, and she's got to do her thing. I put that as a lower priority than this lab over here that seven other teachers use. That's going to be the one that you're going to put good stuff in. That's the one you're going to focus on. And then you, then you move back to the things that are, that are used um, more sparingly. You guys have any comment on my, my pecking order there? 
No, no. As a matter of fact, uh, well, I mean, my comment is it reminded me of something we used to say in the pizza industry years ago. If you don't make them, bake them, or take them, you need to support those that do. You know, you, you, you're taking care, you know, your methodology takes care of the, of the, of really the core of, of why you're here to begin with. Right. And sometimes that's a hard sell, you know, and I've, you know, I've had to explain to the principal why his teachers have better computers than he does. And it's, well, you know, I'm sorry, they're more important. They really are. And, and, and a principal or a superintendent who doesn't see that probably needs to be stepping down. Now, now, sometimes, though, you run into a situation where you might need to get admin some better equipment because of specific requirements that you have on your end. Uh, regulatory or otherwise, right. where they might need something specific, but that goes into what you'll talk about in a minute with the specialization. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, <clears throat> there, like I said, your greatest need is to keep your job. So if your superintendent says, I want a brand new MacBook Pro with a 27 inch uh, uh, screen, then you say, yes, sir. And, and you do it. You, you might try to talk him out of it if you have that kind of relationship with him. Uh, but you know, sometimes the best you can do is, you know, stay in the fight. Well, yeah, I mean that, that, you know, kind of goes without saying you, you certainly have to, uh, choose your battles wisely. And, uh, you know, we, we've had to do that in the past, Mark. I mean, when the, the secretary comes up and says, well, I'm using this software and they, uh, suggest that I have two 27 inch monitors, uh, and then when you tell her no, and then the next thing, you know, five minutes later, you get the call from the superintendent, right. uh, you know, you just gotta, you know, bite your tongue and buy the two 27 inch monitors. <laughs> yeah, this elementary teacher who also happens to be the superintendent's wife uh, wants right. something. Uh, <laughs> that goes back to what I said earlier is know who's really in charge, despite what the org chart says. Right. Um, but then once you've assessed your needs, compare what you need with what you can actually afford. And, you know, they're. You know that's the way that's the way you have to do it. You, you well, yeah, Mark. You, I think uh, you know you're you're making a good point there, and just in you know to take that overall snapshot, and you you just you have to know that you're not going to do it in one year, right? Exactly. I mean, so then uh, I, I'm sure this is where you were going when I cut you off, but yeah. then you have to start to prioritize that, right? Right. You know, assuming you don't have a multi million dollar bond going on, and you have this huge influx of money. Um, you you need uh, to to assess your needs first, and like I said, prioritize those, and don't be afraid to be ruthless about your prioritization, because this is all on paper, you know. So you 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 can you can be as mean and as heartless as you want there. Then you take your budget and you look at what you've actually got, and you look at your time frame. Like Sean said, you're not going to do it all in one shot for the most part. You got to phase things in, um, and you got to talk. Uh, you know, you, and we'll get a little bit later, but you got to move things around as time goes on. So it's important to have that understanding and have, and this shouldn't be a decision that you make alone. This is definitely um, a decision that you're in charge of, but you need buy-in from your administrators and from your teachers. And, and if you've got a technology committee at your school or, or organization, uh, you need their buy-in too. But, you know, again, you're the guy in charge, so you got to be um, playing the lead on this. And so you say, this is, this is the uh, importance chart. This is what we can actually do. So now it's clear. Because we've defined what is important, the first things we buy go here. 
And that cuts out all the arguments later because you've already done that. You've already said this is the thing that we consider most important. And then uh, once the money comes in, the decision's already made. It makes that things a lot, e- a lot easier. Um, but then, you know, you can look at value engineering your, your purchases. You don't have to, uh, you can save a lot of money. For example, I almost never buy off the shelf or stock stuff. Um, somebody said to me, you know, not somebody, but it's often people say, who's your favorite vendor? Are you a Dell shop or an HP shop or, you know, back in the day, a compact shop when all those cow boxes were, were around there. Um, but, uh, you know, and I always said, nobody, I, I have no brand loyalty. I have no allegiance at all. It's whoever gives me the best deal for my organization at the time. And because, you know, at first I talked about standardizing. Well, you can standardize hardware, but not necessarily through the same vendor, right? So if you've got the same processor and the same video card, who cares what label is on the front of it? So I've always written specs very specifically. I want this hardware set. I want this much memory and of this kind of memory. I want this video card, uh, you know, or one of these two video cards. And then, you know, you do your request for proposals. You put that out there and people like Dell and, and, um, the, the big guys out there aren't in HP. They're not going to be able to meet that. They'll send you something that's one of their off the shelf components. And then you look at it and say, that doesn't meet spec. I mean, I've written that on so many RFPs, requests for proposals over the years, does not meet spec. Because Dell's trying to sell me what Dell sells, not what I need. So, you know, don't do that. Assess what you need, the actual hardware that you want. And if you have to go to the mom and pop shop around the corner, there's nothing wrong with it. There is no shame in that at all. And in fact, you often get a better quality product when you do that. Well, Mark, and I think we can uh, definitely speak from experience because uh, the counter argument to that whole approach is that if you have, you know, if I am an all Dell shop, then it makes uh, supporting those devices. And, you know, I, I basically I don't need to invest as much money into the support side uh, that that's somehow going to free up money there. And uh, I can tell you from experience, it just doesn't happen that way. You, uh, especially when you're talking about a business like Dell, uh, hardware has very thin margins and they are not, uh, you're not exactly getting, uh, you know, high, high quality when you're, you're getting those machines. Uh, so I just don't see a difference between when you, you have to buy sort of piecemeal, which we've done uh, in the past, or if you go uh, all Dell or all HP or whatever, uh, these things are still going to break down. You're still going to have to do the tech support. Uh, granted, you might not spend quite as much time uh, doing something like hunting drivers or you know the types of support that you do are going to be different. But as far as sheer volume and just the workload that it takes, I don't see any difference there. And and I think that's right. It's the myth uh, of that. And also, while we're on that subject, don't get sucked into, um, well, this company offers a five-year warranty, so I'll I'll go with them. Uh, Or this one offers some sort of extended, super special 800 number that I get to jump to the front of the line of when I call. All of that stuff is bogus. That's a concrete statement that I'm standing by. You're never supposed to speak in absolutes, but I just did. It's all bogus. The warranties are carefully crafted not to cover the things that will actually break. You know, they don't cover vandalism or damage. Whatever, what else happens in a school? All right, so you put this desktop on your desk, um, 
if it's got a bad hard drive, if it's got a bad processor, you're going to know within 30 to 90 days. That's, you know, that's where the warranty comes in. Five years out, what's going to happen is some kid was playing and threw a baseball through the monitor. Dell's not going to cover that. Or they're not going to cover the Jolly Rancher stuffed in the CD-ROM drive. Uh, so the, the warranties are bogus and pointless. And it's a shyster move that people do. And, and uh, people get sucked into that uh, needlessly. And it's, uh, it's a waste of money and doesn't mean anything in the long run. The only extended warranty I ever get is a road hazard warranty on my tires. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't get anything. It would be nice if there was such a thing as road hazard for computers, wouldn't it? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that would that would cover about half of the things. Uh, just like you said, Mark, I mean, there's a good chunk of that, that uh, especially in the middle school. I mean, if you're going to put computers in a middle school, y yeah, you should have some sort of road hazard insurance because that's going to cover most of your tech needs. Yeah, and I uh, I had a story once that I thought is Jermaine here. It's not Michael. It's Jermaine. Maybe Latoya, uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry um, about uh, when I bought my wife's minivan that she's driving now. The uh, salesman tried to talk me into an extended warranty, and and I told him. And this is my my rule about all extended warranties, and I think it applies to computers too. I told him now there's only two possibilities here, either a you built a product you believe in, and I don't need an extended warranty. It's going to last. It's going to be a good product. Or B, you didn't build a product you believe in, and I don't want the product. I don't want a product I need a warranty for. That's my rule. That's homespun granny uh, logic right there. Yeah, it's funny, though, when you, uh, when you put it to the sales guy that way. And then you watch them kind of backtrack and <laughs> try and re, you know regain themselves. Right. And, well, uh, but uh, well, you you right. see. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. Well, you know, things happen. I said, okay. Well, these things that happen are they covered under the warranty you tried to sell me? Uh, well, no, not really. Okay, that's what I thought. You were trying to send me a, a sell me a, a powertrain warranty and then try to convince me to buy it in, in case the doors break. Well, the doors aren't covered by this warranty you tried to sell me. That's the same thing with computer warranties. The vandalism, and that's what happens to computers. They get overheated, they get over dusty, uh, you know, and they burn out. It's not going to be a manufacturer defect that they're going to fix most of the time. It does happen, but uh, and in in those cases, we had a, a batch. Um, Dell had a problem with it a few years ago, and and uh, Foxconn, another manufacturer, had a batch of bad capacitors. Right, that popped. They were replacing those well after the warranty because they recognized it was a problem with their manufacturing chain. When that happens, warranty or not, you're going to get fixed. Same with Microsoft's Xbox. They fixed those things two years after the warranty ran out because they recognized that it was their mistake. So don't get sucked in by, I'm going with this company because they promised me a better warranty. The reason they can promise you a better warranty is they know it doesn't mean anything. Well, and Mark, I think this is a good point to jump in here too and say, you know, it, it's good to do your homework. So, you know, most of these companies are going to offer some sort of a reference, you know, well, we dealt with this district over here. And usually uh, if they're operating in your area, they're going to be able to offer up some districts in your area that they've done business with. And that is a reference you want to follow up on. You know, you can call these districts and say, hey, you know, I hear you did business with these guys and you bought some computers from them. You know, how'd that go? 
Did you have a bunch of stuff that, uh, you know, died right after warranty or did you have a bunch of problems, you know, filing warranty claims? Did they, did they follow through? Uh, Mark, we've had some that have gone uh, pretty well, I think, right. uh, particularly when you talk about the, uh, the refurbs. I know, uh, I think you're getting ready to go there, but uh, some surprisingly good warranty support from a refurb company. Right. Before I get to there, though, I want to say that when you're making your purchasing decision, it's not always best to go cheap. And I've discovered this firsthand. I had a situation where I had a, a, a grant come in. It was about $100,000. And I went to uh, a, a local reseller that I've had a lot of experience with in the past. They, they, they build great stuff. They build custom stuff. And they do a great job. And I said, I want, um, uh, I think it was 130 computers for this $100,000. And that's what I have to have. I cannot spend more than $100,000, and I will not take less than 135 computers. Make it happen. So they followed my directive, and they sold me cheap garbage. And it wasn't their fault. They did exactly what I told them to do. Um, and those computers have been a nightmare, and I'm still living with that bad decision that I made seven years ago. Those computers are still in the system. There are 135 of them. You, know, they don't, you don't get rid of them easily. And so they're still uh, problematic. There's th still things going wrong, power supplies and, and all sorts of problems because I, I ordered them to give me cheap garbage. So you got to be careful with that. You got to look at quality first, particularly if you're doing this from a tightwad mindset. Now, that may sound weird because a tightwad says, uh, you know, buy cheap. No, buy quality, buy the highest quality you can get and hang on to it until it disintegrates. Until the the sun burns out and the solar flares melt it, that's how long you're going to hold on to this stuff. <laughs> There's the old saying: if you don't have time, or in this case, money to do it right the first time, how are you going to have the money to do it over? That's exactly right. And I've I've been burned by my own uh, tight watery a, a time or two. Uh, but what Sean mentioned is where I was want to go. I've come to really like refurbed uh, gear. And uh, we've had, you know, CDI on the show a couple of times. Uh, they're the, the company I like, but there are other companies out there. So uh, I'm not going to say that you, you have to buy from them. But um, businesses are buying these high-quality machines with this mindset that I just said. We're going to buy the best stuff out there because that's a point of pride for businesses. They want the best of the best of the best. And then we're going to well, replace them every 90. We're going to replace them every year or two years. Yeah, you know, in the business world, uh, I mean, that can be the difference between, you know, making or losing, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars. Right. So it's worth it to them to do that. And, and because of the way finances work, they found it's better to lease than to buy. So there are lots of companies out there that are buying the best gear on the market right now, uh, or they're leasing it for two years. Then some company, some refurb company takes those things and really all they're doing refurbing is they're spit shining them because these things were put in a desk somewhere, uh, handled by a mature, responsible adult, we hope. Um, and, and they're being taken care of because, you know, in the corporate world, if you, you know, in, in the high school, if two kids are playing and they break a monitor, you know, you, they get, you get mad at them and you maybe make the parents pay for it. You maybe not. That happens in uh, at work. You're roughhousing at work. I can't even imagine people doing that. But let's say you do, <laughs> and you break something, you lose your livelihood. <laughs> so it's a it's a less likely situation. So these computers sit in an air conditioned, climate controlled environment for 24 months, and they're well taken care of, and they were the best stuff on the market. 
Then they go to a reseller, and you can buy stuff refurb that are still being sold now. The same units, the same models, the same processors are still being sold brand new on the market. And you can get them for a third of the original price. And uh, most of these companies out there will offer a warranty. They'll stand by it, and they'll say, you know, for the same reason, because they know that warranties don't mean much. They're either going to work or they're not, and they weed out the ones that don't work during their refurb process. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of reverbs, refurbs in uh, stretching the, the budget. Any comments on that, guys? Well, one thing I've noticed, Mark, with the refurbs is uh, versus buying new. You know, when you buy new, you have sort of an expected failure rate right out of the box. Uh, you know, components are going to die. They're going to go bad pretty much immediately or they're going to last forever. And with refurbs, that's already happened. You know that the, these machines have already gone through that process with the original, uh, you know, the original company that used these things. So uh, it seemed like the failure rate was uh, quite a bit less up front. And then uh, you, just talking about uh, CDI, uh, I love the parts closet. I don't know right. that we've ever mentioned that with them, but they give you a parts closet up front, which was really nice. Yeah, it's like five percent. You buy a hundred computers, they send you a hundred and five. Uh, that's what that company does. I know other computers, uh, other companies do that. I've had that uh, that uh, deal promised to me before, uh, and they'll either give you an, enough computers or like five hard drives, five power supplies, five motherboards, so that you can do it that way. Uh, but yeah, uh, look into refurbs. Consider that uh, a bear, a very uh, viable option. Sometimes it's hard to sell to your higher ups because they want the shiny new thing. But, you know, the, for years, for decades, the advice for, for smart financial people has been don't buy a new car, buy a used car, uh, because they're just as good as the new car, but without the depreciation. Really, that's becoming true on computers, too. It might not have been in the early days, but it's, it's getting to be that way. Yeah, you just have to do your homework up front. I think that's uh, that's the big one. You know, it's same thing, uh, you know, when you talked about the warranties and everything else. And Mark, I wanted to jump in there and say, uh, when you're dealing with these companies, uh, make them give you a, a couple of uh, a testers. Absolutely. Most of them will be, will be willing to do that. Have them send you some testers. I know later on we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that you do with these machines, but uh, you want to get some of those, uh, you know, one or two of those machines and test them out in your environment. Test them out with uh, the way that you do things. Uh, make sure that they're going to do what you need them to do because, uh, Mark, we've found in the past that sometimes you run into a hardware set that just is not going to work with your imaging solution right. or, you know, things like that. So uh, you need to find that out up front before you have, you know, 200 computers hit your uh, front doorstep. And when Sean says, have them give you some, that doesn't mean send me free stuff or we're out of here. But uh, send me a loaner. Give me 30 days. With, give me five computers for 30 days. And if company's not willing to do that, you shouldn't be doing business with them. Right. Um, all right. Moving right along. The, the next thing you want to do is make sure you have a good maintenance plan. Because again, we're talking about keeping these things. We're, I consider a computer a really good um, investment, uh, a long-term investment. It's not a short-term uh, consumable thing. That's the way I like to look at them. So have a good maintenance plan. Know what you're going to do, how you're going to keep these machines alive. Um, you know, And maybe that's have adult supervision at all times. That's a novel concept, <laughs> but maybe that's a way to go. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, dusting the summer. We did a whole episode last year on summer maintenance. Go back and listen to that one. Um, dusting dust kills computers. Period. If you're not dusting out all your computers at least once a year, you're not getting the maximum life out of them. Period. That's a true statement. I I won't even defend it. Yeah, and that's not uh it's not a job that anybody wants to do. No tech out there wants to have to go around and open up these machines and blow them out and everything. Uh so it, yes, it's really not worth your effort so to speak, but it certainly is worth paying somebody a uh, minimum wage to do it. Uh it's something that can be done fairly quickly and is worth at least that much of an investment. Right. Uh and then or you can, you know, commandeer some student workers that's right have the slaves do it the <laughs> the kids who need to work off some in-school suspension time that's the way we do it is at my school like if you lost a textbook or a library book you spend x number of days working at the end of school to work that off so it was a 50 dollars textbook that's two days of hard labor uh, and so that, yeah, I love that when they come to me it's like these kids there's six kids here they're yours for the next three days and I make sure it's like breaking rocks. I bet they don't lose textbooks after that, do they? <laughs> no, I do have quite a few repeat offenders. Uh, another thing is imaging. You must have an imaging policy. You must have an imaging policy. Don't buy a single piece of equipment until you know how you're going to image it. Until you know what the rules for imaging are. We've, Sean and I have talked a number of times about our 20-minute rule. Uh, I understand at your new school, you don't have a 20 minute rule, Sean, but you wish you did, right? Well, yeah. And I still will do it. I mean, I look at a problem and, you know, over time you get, you get the experience and you know, whether you're going to be able to pull this off in 20 minutes or less. And, uh, so you can look at a certain problem and know it's going to take longer than 20 minutes. And so I personally on my campuses do, but I'm already, I, you know, I'm having to bring my teachers along and the people that I support, uh, because you have to condition them for that. You know, you have to let them know that, uh, you need to not save anything on your computer. We give you space to save this stuff on the network. If you save it on your computer, I will not feel bad at all when I reimage it and wipe out your family photos. They're not supposed right. to be there. And, you know, and I don't do it as blatantly or as, you know, as bluntly as that, you know, I, I, I candy coat that message and I certainly try to get it out there uh, to them ahead of time so that it's not, uh, it, you know, it's not one of those situations, hopefully, where I am deleting family photos uh, by imaging. But, uh, you know, you got to educate your users and you've got to really stick to that. I mean, Mark, that 20 minute rule. Uh, yeah, I'm already I'm working on implementing that hard and fast. Um, yeah, and, and the space we talked about in the infrastructure thing, that's one of the things I said set aside. Space is, storage space is cheap. Give your customers that. In this case, customers are teachers and students. Uh, give them that space. It's, it's worth it. It's, it's, it's cheap in the long run. So let them right. have it. Well, and Pete in the chat room makes a good point uh, as far as can you give them very little space on their PC to avoid that. And that's not something that we've ever done. I don't know if you've ever done it, Mark, but it's really hard to do nowadays because, you know, uh, storage is so cheap that, gosh, you can't buy a computer right. without like a 250 gig hard drive in it. Yeah, whenever so, possible, I try to buy 60 to 80 gig hard drives, honestly, because you don't need more than that. It's got right. the OS. It's got a few apps. You don't need data on it. Um, and for a long time, that was cheaper when people were pushing the, the 200, 300, 400 meg. I could just buy the cheap 80 megs, uh, gigs. I mean, not megs, 80 gigs. Um, 
but now 80 gigs are really expensive uh so you could uh you know it's uh, it's hard to find a machine that doesn't have at least a 600 gig uh drive or maybe a terabyte drive in, uh, anymore uh but you could do that you know with partitioning just only give them an 80 gig partition you know or a 20 right. gig partition um and you could do that but you know i i I think that's not worth the effort. Uh, you can do it that way if you want to, but just, you know, tell them don't store stuff, you know, and, and stick to it. You know, if they, if they want to gamble, if they want to have their entire, um, you know, child's first year of pictures on their computer, that's a gamble they're willing to take. But if anything happens, it's gone. It's not backed up, and I'm not going to spend any time trying to fix it because that stuff belongs at home. Yeah, I and I think the biggest thing you can do is just continue to drive that home. And I do it on a fairly regular basis, sending out emails to my campuses and things like that. And it's basically just that, uh, you know, at any time for any reason, and they really need to understand that, that they could walk away from their desk to go to lunch or something, and they can, 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 they can come back and their computer can be totally re-imaged. And first off, you have to make sure that they understand what that means. You know, that I'm going to wipe out everything that exists on your computer and start fresh. And that that can happen at any time. And, uh, you, you know, you just, you can't uh, kind of dance around that fact. You have to be point blank with them. This is what it is. This is, these are district computers. Or if you work for a business, these are business computers. They're ours. And we can re-image them at any time. So do not put your pictures of your children or your entire year's lesson plans on your desktop and expect it to be there when you come back an hour from now. And I think if you put it in those terms and they understand what, what kind of situation they can be in, uh, you know, they're going to learn. I have maybe one or two incidents every year where I do end up wiping out somebody's stuff. And I feel very mildly guilty about it, but not really because everybody has been told. And that's the best thing you can do is cover your back and make sure you've told everybody. Coach Keibel is mean. I am, man. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to have that. I'm going to have that email or actually I'm going to have several emails that I can pull up with right. your name on it that shows where I told you that. Right. Yeah. I call him coach. The kids at school. Any male is a coach. So he, he was always coach Keibel at school. Yeah, oh, that blew me away. The first time I went into the classroom uh, in that teacher role and the kids all started calling me coach and I <laughs> did not get that. It took me a while to get used to that. I finally just, because I kept telling him, you know, you call me Mr. K, Mr. Kybel, I don't call, call me, you know, any of those things is fine. Don't call me coach. They couldn't help themselves. I kept right. saying coach. I said, you know what? Just go ahead. Just go ahead. <laughs> well, but that's, that's what a teacher does as coach. So right. what's the difference? Right. All right. And moving on, we're we're quickly approaching miniseries status. I don't want to uh, uh, turn this into a ABC movie of the week. Uh, but the the next thing that I have on my list here is you want to have a rotation schedule in mind. Now that's when I went back to identifying the areas of of greatest need. Okay, so you give them the first crack at it. Then the next year, when you get new stuff, because they're still the the most important people, they get the new computer. And you move something else to the lowest need. And then the next year when you get new computers, still this place that was the most important gets the new computers. If they don't, if they're not the most important, sometimes most important changes. And that's okay. You need to reassess that. And you say, all right, we got these guys. They were hurting. 
but we got them stuff and they're good now for the next four years. They are no longer in the most important status area. And that's fine. You can do that. That's something that you have to do on a regular basis. But as you're rotating machines around, or as you're buying new machines, rotate machines around. Don't just, uh, it's not good policy. It does, it is good PR, but it's not good policy to just give the new computers to people who have the old computers. Right. Right. And Mark, I, I, you know, I'm so glad you brought this up because so often what you're going to hear, uh, especially in education, is the elementary school. The elementary school is always going to be the one that complains about that. They're the redheaded stepchildren uh, because they're always getting the hand-me-downs. But that is rightfully so. You know, the third, third and fourth graders are not going to be using technology in the same way that a high schooler is going to. You know, the high schoolers are going to be so much more dependent on that technology. They're going to be using it. Uh, you know, now they should be using it almost constantly. And, uh, you know, the work that a third grader is going to do or, you know, the kids in the elementary is just – it's just not going to be, I don't want to say as important, but they're not going to be as reliant on the technology as they would in, in the upper levels. Yeah. Uh, Pete in the chat room asks, is, is the rotation policy subject to negotiation or is it dictated? Well, I, I said at the beginning, you got to get your stakeholders in on this. You're the guy driving the ship, but you got to get buy-in. So that's something that you're constantly redoing. And a lot of times, the tech director uh, spends a lot of his time um, shoring up leaks in the in the foundation. You know, he's he's constantly going and making sure that people are, are still on on the plan and reminding them, okay, look, look, I have a plan here that you signed off on. Look, here's your signature. You literally agreed to this. Now, um, you can't change it when things get hard. You know, when you were the benefit of everything, you agreed with it. But now that you're not getting the new stuff and you think you should, remember, this is what we all agreed on. So, yeah, uh, sometimes you do have to be a dictator. Sometimes you just have to be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to leave that in? I am. I'm just going to leave that there. All right. Uh, And to Sean's point also, uh, yeah, I can see where the elementary schools might say we're the redhead stepchild, but. Those redheaded stepchildren are going to progress through the the system, and and when they need the, the newer, more powerful computing in the junior high and then later in the high school, they're going to be getting that. So I don't buy into that point that they're the stepchild. They're going to get what they need when is appropriate. And right, that's the important thing. Need has to be the word here. You have to be basing everything you do on need. And that can be hard, uh, particularly when things get political. And, and let's say you're in year six or seven of this plan. You're, you're kind of flush with technology now. You've been working your plan. Everybody has something that's still pretty good. You know, uh, even your oldest computers are only six years old uh, or maybe five years old. And so they're still pretty good. And then things get a little picky. You know, uh, it's got to be based on need. Need has to be the operative word all along here. And it's got to be about serving your customers. So never lose sight of that. Yeah, and Pete in the chat room says he's happy not changing equipment, but if that doesn't meet your needs, then you're going to be moving equipment more than maybe you would like, right. to your point, Mark, to take care of your customers. And and again, you're looking at it from a mindset of a computer you've moved into. They don't move into these things. The mo- longest they get it is a year, and then it's re-imaged. So every year, going, you're going through that pain of move. Um, you just You accept these things as being transient. Well, and don't forget the uh, the new case strategy. Yes, yes. To help offset some of that. So, you know, as you're moving those computers down from the middle school to the elementary school, and the elementary school knows what the middle school computers look like, 
throw some new cases on those things, and the elementary school will be very happy with them. <laughs> Yes. Well, and you might even need to move or put cases in because you don't know what kind of bubble gum may be right. uh, put on there or scratches or whatever. Right. Gang graffiti, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's our story and we're sticking to it. Right. And uh, the point I've <laughs> I've already made is is whatever you do is not going to be seen as fair by somebody. Um, in fact, I, I heard a great statistic a few years ago. It's like every decision has at least a 30% negative approval every decision it's been tracked down through history political business personal every decision that has ever been made according to this study this longitudinal study has about a 30 percent negative reaction so if you're at 70 percent, you're perfect if 70 percent of the people agree with you you have made the perfect decision so um, my wife is 30 percent mad at me all the time huh pretty much yes okay. <laughs> uh, so uh there it's going to get political and p- ruffle feathers are going to get ruffled ruffles are going to get feathered um it, it's going to happen and that's when you have to have this this plan that you put in place and you got everybody on board with if you don't have people on board you can't do any of this stuff that we're talking about if you're fighting and if you're divided you can't you can't do any of this stuff that's why you have to frame the debate from the beginning this is about what's best for our customers and our customers are the students and the community or if if you're in the business literally your customers you know what you're asking for mark you're asking for techs who are notoriously not people people to be people people or at least have a leader who is and trust him Yes. Or listen to our show and just listen to every single thing we say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then the last thing, and this is the most important thing, um, is in schools, curriculum, or if you're not in a school, purpose drives purchasing, not budget. You never make a purchase based on budget you make a purchase based on purpose does this meet our goals does this push us closer to the one thing we are here to do jim and your business if it makes you sell better pizzas faster then you do it if it doesn't don't do it that's right in education if it produces a better educational experience for the student do it if not don't do it no matter how cheap it is it's not about money. Money is um, a byproduct of the decision-making process. And I hate it when people say, if I get the budget, I, then I'll be able to do this. No, no. What you need to say is, I'm going to do this and find a way to pay for it. That's the way it needs to be. And, and, and you make sacrifices where you need to, and you make bad, uh, hard decisions where you need to. I almost said bad decisions. Hard decisions where you need to. But it all has to be about the original purpose of your organization in this case we're talking about schools it's all about curriculum do you need it to teach what you and that's what i tell my teachers all the time you tell me what you need i'll find a way to get it for you that's my job that's why i'm here that was my last stand rant the gentleman that i work for has been notorious for the years of being quote unquote cheap but when i started working with him i learned that he was not necessarily cheap he wanted the greatest value out of the purchases that we made so it's it it goes right along with what you're saying mark what is the greatest value all right i'm done i'm tired somebody talk now yeah we might set a record tonight for a longest show i don't know what that is do you know what that is mark i don't know i have no idea 
I know the periodic table, it's like an hour and 17 minutes or something. No, no. it's got to be longer no, than it's, that. No, we yeah, it's, a two-hour show? No, no, it wasn't two hours, but it was like an hour and 40 maybe. Now that okay. I think about it, yeah. But anyway, okay. hour and 17 is where we are now, so that's why that was numbers in my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, we're getting <laughs> Pete in the chat room. <laughs> they won't know about the, the crashes, Pete. My editing foo will cover that up. Um <laughs> So, any other comments on anything I've said there? The if you build it part three. You know, Mark, one thing I was going to ask you is going forward, I know you can't do it in your environment totally right now, but virtualization and hyper uh, hypervisors, uh, I would think that going forward, you'll be able to work that into your environment and make some of these issues a little bit easier to handle. Well, we do lots of virtualization in the server room. I have yet to seen to scene i have yet to see a viable virtualization on the desktop platform i know people say they're out there but from what i've seen i can't i can't make any of those uh more cost effective or more um performance effective than putting real hardware on that desk Mark, I think that is just, we're seeing a natural evolution. We kind of saw it in the server room, right? It, virtualization came around, people talked about it, it was going to be this great thing. But in the beginning, it wasn't really that great. And I think it's because they just hadn't really perfected the technology. Not to say that it's perfected now, but uh, it just seems like recently it's really becoming a viable option and is working well and it's saving people a lot of money. I think the desktop is just, it's lagging behind there a little bit. I, I, I I wouldn't doubt that in the next, you know, two, three, four years, whatever, that uh, maybe we'll start seeing some things there that actually uh, work and and save you money. Because you're right, Mark. The ones I've seen, uh, they work. You know, that we've got some stuff now that seems to work fairly well. But uh, when you lump all the costs together, it, it's not necessarily saving you a ton of money. Um, so, but I think we're very close to getting there. I'm curious to see where that goes over the next few years. Yeah, that uh, Fiddlehead product, I haven't had a chance to look at They sent me a 30-day trial 90 days ago, and I haven't had a chance to look at it. <laughs> uh, but I think that might be getting there. I think that might be the first thing that's kind of close to giving you a two-for-one deal. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff, uh, other than, than uh, um, remote desktop citrusing the, the thing, um, you get great uh, stuff there, but you still got to have a terminal there. And those terminals generally cost as much as a, as a computer. So, uh, well, or it's just a computer that we would buy. Right. Yeah. You know, if you're out there paying, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars for a desktop, then uh, that starts to look like an attractive option. But when you're doing it like we do it, uh, you know, it's really not uh, that much of a difference. All right. Sean, do you have a uh, teacher tip? Because I don't have any tech tips this week. I do. I have a really good one, actually. Hey, Jim, uh, do you have a pizza tip? Can you give us a pizza tip before we go? Yeah, eat Domino's. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> All right. My teacher tip this week is Road to Grammar. And uh, you can find it at roadtogrammar.com. Uh, I'm going to jump in here and just tell you a little bit about the base site, which uh, was originally developed for adult ESL learners. So that's English as a second language. Uh, they have over 350 practice quizzes. By the way, uh, we have a new euphemism for that. It's English language learners now. It's not ESL anymore. It's ELL. Right. Yeah. You, you know, uh, I, was, I was talking to somebody the other day about that because, you know, we always have to come up with this politically correct term for something, right? And, and then we do. We come up with, okay, no, now you call it this. And then 
over time, people start using that new word to be the derogatory term. Right. So then we go through this evolution, you know, a few years later. No, 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 you can't call it that because now everybody knows that's the bad term. So we got to come up with something new. Okay, uh, John, this is not the periodic table. <laughs> He's soapboxing. <laughs> yeah, I am soapboxing. All right. So uh, anyway, back to my road to grammar. Uh, yeah, so they have over 350 practice quizzes, uh, five grammar games, and uh, several downloadable lessons with teachers and student lesson plans and exercises and all that kind of stuff. Um, exercises such as mastering the ED ending and 100 conversation questions to start your lesson. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff out there for both the learner and the teacher teacher. Uh, but uh, what I want to make sure and pop in there, because if you just went to Road to Grammar, it would look like, oh, here's this great site to send my students to. Uh, but they actually have some content on there that's probably not appropriate for younger children. Uh, the, you know, some of their things will actually have like a reference to alcohol or something. It's for adults. Um, or they might have like business-related grammar. So they're talking about grammar in the business place and things like that. Uh, but they do have a sister site or a companion site called Road to Grammar Junior. Uh, Road to Grammar Junior basically weeds out all of that uh, older age uh, content and uh, brings it down to the level for uh, kids ages 7 to 13. Uh, again, this site also has has over 350 practice quizzes. Uh, this is all free. Uh, uh, just a great site, but uh, go check both those sites out. If you're in a high school, you might be able to, uh, you know, get get your students onto the regular Road to Grammar, um, and then certainly Road to Grammar Junior is going to be okay for uh, kids of all ages, really. All right. Awesome. I wasn't really yeah. paying attention, so I assume that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really end there. You know, I usually end with, so go check it out at roadtogrammar.com. There you go. Dot there com. You go. Dot com. Um, <laughs> you, you can't be on the radio unless you have a good, solid radio. Dot com. <laughs> That's right. You have to do that. And it doesn't matter. what. I, there's a guy I used to work. He's retired now. But that was his name for me. He'd be walking down the hall. He'd go, dot com. That was my name. I was dot com. I don't know why, but that was it. <laughs> Thanks for being right, with us for our hundredth episode, uh, Aaron and um, Aaron. No, Andrew. Aaron and Andrew and Jim and and G. G. Duncan, uh, thanks for being with us, guys, for uh, for making this uh, a special episode and uh, for in contention for the longest episode ever. Um, I hope we have hundreds more. I honestly do. Um, milestones are nice to uh, celebrate, but it's more important that you get back and you start doing the next episode. And that's exactly what we're going to do uh, as soon as we're finished with this one. We're going to start over and we're going to keep doing what we do. And so the only thing that we ask of you, well, we actually ask two things of you. One, be a listener. And if you're listening to this, you already are. Achievement unlocked. Um, second, tell people about us so that we can have other listeners you know we've talked about before you know uh, we made a joke about making millions of dollars whatever if any money is going to come it's going to come from audience but more than that the reason we do this is because we have an audience if if people like jim didn't tell us hey what you're doing is valuable to me we would have stopped doing this at episode five we wouldn't have gotten to episode 100 we need, uh, we need, we don't, yeah, we need, we need, we're needy. Uh, we need listeners because that's, without you, there's no point in all of this. So be a listener. Thank you for that. 
go make other listeners. Go ye therefore into all the world and make listeners of all men. To paraphrase a pretty good guy. Uh, and and so we need you to do that. And we're asking you, and I've asked a few times for, uh, before, I'm going to keep asking, go to iTunes and rate us on iTunes. Let people know that you like this show. That will get us out there. That will get more people to like this show, we hope, uh, and, and go from there. And if you want to um, uh, contact us and you want to um, let us know what you think of what we're doing, the place to do that is at elementop.com. You go there and you click in the forums and you leave us some feedback, and that's a public feedback. If you want to leave some private feedback, you can use the Contact Us button and send us email. If you want to uh, have your voicemail played like uh, we had from G and Jim, um, you can do that uh, by uh, using the Call Us widget on the website or just by picking up the phone and dialing 559-OPI anywhere in the uh, North American continent. So uh, we appreciate you being with us, and we hope that you'll continue to be with us for 100 episodes more. And that's the end of my rant. All right. Well, uh, I'm just going to have to jump in here and say this was truly a great show. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Jim, for being with us. And I'm going to say on behalf of Jim Beeson, Andrew Jolly, G. Duncan 229, and listeners everywhere, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.